0: So we're talking uh, our last week on celebrating in our Rooted and Established in Hymn series. Why do we need to celebrate? What's the point of celebration? Should we even be excited and happy in church? Yes. Yes, we should. How many of you remember some good celebrations in your life? Some good, whether it's parties or just good times with your friends? Yeah. How many of you remember good celebrations and times at church? Yeah, okay, good, good, good. I'm glad I was, I was expecting just one or two hands. But I, I kind of grew up in a very solemn church. But as I got older, I, I remember having a lot of good fun times at church. Uh, and I hope here at Stockholm Community Church, uh, while we're here, that you also have a good fun time. All right? I hope that some Sundays are a fun day for you. Not just a, oh, I have so much I got to deal with this Sunday. Kind of Sundays, but I hope you enjoy and have some fun. But I remember, uh, there's uh, how many of you have this person or people in your life that's like, all right, I know when I get together with them, it's gonna be some fun? Yes. So I, ha- I have that friend in my life. Uh, we haven't really been able to connect. Why? Because he's in Minnesota and I'm here. But uh, when we did connect, he was my roommate in college. And so we had a lot of fun as guys in in a dorm room. Uh, a lot of the fun is stuff that I just won't share with you because it's it's not it's not gender appropriate. Um, so we we just had fun, not inappropriate fun, but just fun as guys doing weird guy stuff. But then uh, when after college, he and his wife would come out and visit. So his wife's uh, pa- uh, foster parents were in Oregon. We were up in Washington. So they would m- literally make the drive from Minnesota to, uh, to Oregon. It's like going from Malmo to Kiruna It's a long drive, a really long drive. But they would make the drive. They would come stay with us for a few days and then go. But uh, at, before we moved to Washington, we were in Montana. So I remember one winter, he, he and his wife made the drive over. So what did we do? He didn't grow up. He grew up in North Dakota with a lot of snow. The snow didn't fall down from, nor- from here to here. The snow went this way in North Dakota because there's so much wind. And so I had to take him to a mountain so he could actually go sledding. Because being a 30-year-old man, he had never been sledding before. Can you imagine that? Some of you can. I can't because I grew up in the mountains. I grew up around snow. So we took them sledding. We had lots of fun. We also did a really crazy thing one winter break. We, We put these weird caps on our head that had this little crochet hook with these dots on it. And we poked this needle in, swirled around and pulled out some hair. So we looked really crazy with these caps with our hairs poking out like we were some kind of vegetable. And then we put this paste on it. Yes. Oh, no. How many of you know where I'm going? (laughs) Then we took the cap off and washed our hair. And what did we have? Yes, we had frosted tips. He and I went back to college with frost, matching frosted tips. Mine looked a little bit better because I had a fuller head of hair and his was pretty thin. So, (laughs) but we still had a lot of fun, you know, just guys being guys having goof times. I remember there's some times when, uh, when they came to Washington, they had kids then. So we had this van and my family had this uh, timeshare out on the ocean and we, it just randomly came up the week before. Hey, next weekend's available. Do you guys want to go? It's like, yeah, sure. My friends are coming. So we packed into this room, but on the way down there, I remember all of a sudden, dad, I don't, (laughs) one of their kids got sick in the van. It was my wife, and I, and um, my wife's sister, Linda, who's kind of a germ-phobe. And seeing someone throw up, just not her idea of having fun. But we're seven of us packed in this minivan. We pull over, clean it all up, and keep going. We go there. The kid it was all right. Elizabeth, she ended up making it through. We get back to our house and in up the day before they're supposed to take off to drive back, two-day drive back to Minnesota. Chad just goes all over the place. He had to call his church and say, hey, I need one of y'all to, to speak on Sunday because I'm not going to make it in time. And so we just, you know, we have a lot of fun. We would stay up late at night playing Nintendo 64 with our wrestling game, WWE. We made our own characters in, in college. So, I, you know, and we just, fun computer games, smashing chairs on each other, Finding these giant cheeses and slapping each other with giant cheeses and just random weird stuff. But I always know when I get together with Chad and his wife Grace, when we all get together, it's going to be a fun time. We're going to enjoy ourselves. We're going to be a little bit goofy at times and we're going to be some serious at times. But it's always going to be fun. It's a celebration, it's memories. And this is what I want for church, that when we come to church, yes, we're going to have our serious times of crying out to Jesus and asking the Lord to to render our hearts and to help make us more like him. But I also want us to celebrate and have fun with what God is doing in us and through us. I don't want us to get into a rut of always being a reflection and taking inventory of of where we're not doing so well uh, and Because that can then lead us into a false attitude of just being in despair all the time. That we then walk to church going, okay, what do I got to check this week? What do I got to work on this week? What is God going to convict me of this week? Because let's be honest, if we just have that mentality and that thought in our life, are we going to show up to church on a regular basis? No because no one wants to show up to a place where you're constantly having to go, okay, how do I got to get better? We go to therapists for that. They help us work through stuff. We don't want to show up to church to just be, got to fix this again. But we want to show up to church and have some fun and enjoy and remember what God is doing inside of us and through us to be excited about those things. Sometimes if we have that mentality, it fires us up to go, okay, I'm going to try harder. You know, New Year's resolutions. How many of you have made a resolution and, and will honestly admit it's, it's done? You, you haven't made your resolution. You kind of give up on it. Anybody make resolutions? Nobody made resolutions. All right. I don't make resolutions just for that fact. I make goals, but I don't make resolutions because oftentimes you just like, you get excited and yeah, I'm going to do it and then after a few times, you just kind of get back into the normal routine. But that mentality, we fire us up to do better, to, but then we have a few slip-ups, then it often just doesn't last long. It just becomes a, a fleeting attempt. Church, I want us to shift our mentality, to change our perspective. That when we come to church, it's not like, okay, what is God going to do in me? But that we go, okay, I know God is working in me and I get to celebrate his work in my life. I get to be excited that God is doing something in me and calling me to be more like him. Not just, oh, another thing to fix, another thing to go through. So today we're, we're going to look at the disciples. There are two miracles that, that are recorded in the book of Mark that we want to look at. So the first place that we're going to turn to is Mark chapter 6. So if you have this uh, old text, uh, this paper version, you can turn to that. Or if you have your phone, we're going to be in Mark 6, starting with verse uh, 35, or it's up here on the screen. It says, By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he, Jesus, answered them, You give them something to eat. They, the disciples, said to him, That would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked, Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups of on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 150, taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven. He gave thanks, broke the loaves. Then he gave it to his, them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who he ate was 5,000. Father God, we come to you today. God, help us to understand your desire your, for us to remember what you've done to celebrate those things that you are doing in our hearts, in our minds. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So we just read this miracle of what Jesus did. A, a great thing that Jesus dis, just did, right? Feeding what the Bible says is 5,000 men. So it's very specific there. So let's, let's do some deductive reasoning. If the Bible is just saying men, then maybe there's also some women and some children with these men, right? Right. So if, if we just say, okay, with these men, if it's like the average Swedish household two, uh, what is it? Two point, no, three point something per household, three and a half. Let's just round up. Let's just say there's three to four people with each of these men or this man plus two or three. That could mean that there was 15 to 20,000 individuals that were there that needed to be fed. And the disciples realized that it was getting late in the day and that these people were probably going to be hungry because I'm sure they were hungry. Because Jesus was really long-winded that day. just went off. So they said, hey, Jesus, we got to send these people away so they can get somewhere in time to buy some food. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. What do you have? Well, the disciples, being the disciples, had to walk around and try to figure out, okay, what do we have in this crowd? And all they came up with amongst 5,000 people, men, 15,000 people, were five loaves and two fish. And those folks did not come prepared. They didn't have those little lunch boxes. I mean, for us in our family, when we go somewhere that's going to be just a few hours, we are now starting to pack stuff. Because my little son, Elijah, he gets hungry. And he gets hungry fast. My daughter, 13-year-old Amelia, she's just almost always hungry. So we have to start packing food. So maybe Jesus might, the disciples might have taken my packed stuff for my kids. But whatever, wherever, Jesus, wherever they got this, Jesus took what he had, what the disciples brought him. So the disciples found what they had and brought it to Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He took it from them. He blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it back. And then the disciples distributed it out realize five loaves and two fish imagine you're one of the disciples and you start handing out okay here's my group of 50 i'm taking the the piece of bread and i'm tearing it off all right here spread this out and it's like okay i'm how come this bread is not really getting smaller okay i go to this group of 100 why is this 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 bread's not getting any smaller and then they go they just keep going around my bread is, is not getting smaller. What the heck is going on? Yet it wasn't just how how many, what did it say in there? It said that they had the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken bread. So this five loaves and five loaves of bread. Do you think five loaves of bread fits into twelve baskets? Maybe two. So as they are passing stuff out, they're giving out food. They gave out more than enough food. That in and of itself is a miracle that Jesus was able to take five loaves and reproduce it out for 5,000 men plus women and children, and they had more than enough See, folks, church, when Jesus gives something to you, he's not going to give you just a little bit to satisfy your hunger. He's going to give you more than you need. You will have a leftover from what God has given to you. See, these disciples came and they brought to Jesus all that they had. What did they have? Five loaves, two fish. They came and they gave it to Jesus Church, when God is asking something of you in your life, when he's calling you to to follow him in something, he's not asking you to give more than what you already have. What he may be calling you to seems greater and feels more than you could accomplish, but when you bring who you are to him and give yourself to him, what's he going to do? It said Jesus blessed it, then he broke it. When you bring your life to Jesus, when you bring your gifts and your talents to Jesus, and you freely give them to Him, He will bless what He has already given you, what you're giving back, and sometimes He will break it. Because in the breaking becomes the multiplication. In the breaking becomes the multiplication. Do you understand that? I can devour a a loaf of bread by myself, but if I want to share it, I need to break it. If you want to be used by God to impact more than just one individual or yourself, you have to be willing to be broken to be used by Him. The break, brokenness is not always a, a comfortableness, but in the brokenness comes the multitude, the multiplication. See, these disciples have experienced so many things before Mark chapter 6. Just if you look through your Bible, and if your Bible has the different headings, you're going to read that these disciples, after being called and coming to Jesus, they witnessed Jesus raising a dead girl, healing a sick woman, the woman that touched his garment and was healed, and they they witnessed Jesus casting out demons. So these guys were not unaccustomed to Jesus doing some great and miraculous things. So they witnessed this incredible miracle of Jesus taking five loaves, two fish, and feeding thousands of people and having leftovers more than what was already given. See, the miracle in and of itself is not meant to sustain us. Jesus is the one that did the miracle through those disciples. I don't know everything that happened in those those days and weeks between all the different miracles, but I can sometimes imagine hanging out with someone great, you kind of just get accustomed to the greatness. You get accustomed to, to yeah, Jesus is going to do something crazy. And you just kind of get used to it. You just expect, all right, what's Jesus going to do this time? What's Jesus? How is Jesus going to respond now? And for me... I've grown up in church all my life. I I like to, to tell the dad joke that I've been going to church nine months before I was born. That's how long I've been going to church. I do remember the day that I, I don't know if it was the fourth time or the first time, I do remember a specific day, kneeling on a, uh, the, the kids' church that we had had the metal chairs and we had these little carpet squares on our chair and when it was time to pray, they asked us all to pull out the carpet square, kneel on our kneel at our chairs and so I put my feet, knees on the carpet and I asked Jesus into my heart. I remember that day. I'm sure I asked Jesus into my heart more times after that but that's the day that I look back to and remember when Jesus called me. And so I've grown up in church all my life and I get accustomed and I've been kind of You could say numb to what happens in church. Okay, the music is, here's the inspiration, and here's the feeling sometimes with music. Or the preacher, he's starting to get really excited, so here comes something great that they're going to say. But I don't want to be accustomed to just, okay, God, yes, God's going to do something good, yay. Go, God. Ooh, another miracle. Five to 12 baskets. woo Good job, Jesus. I want to feel the real genuine excitement of seeing Jesus do miracles in people's hearts and lives. That I just don't go, okay, yeah, I know Jesus is going to, When someone asks Jesus, whether it's one person or we have 12 people, whether we have just 50 of us every week for the next five years, or whether God allows us to grow to 500, I want to celebrate every single thing as if it was the first time. Because I want it to be true and genuine in my heart. Because if I maintain that childlike faith of what God is doing I can maintain a joy and a realism and a satisfaction that God is what I need. I don't just come accustomed and go, okay, yeah, I, God, I see you do 12, but let's get to 48. Then I'll get a bit excited. Because that might just, just make God mad, right? Just might make, why, why should I do more? for you when you're just not excited about the one jesus told parables about how god got excited left the 99 and went after the one why because the one mattered we should celebrate the one shouldn't we church we should be excited about the one healing that god is doing because then we know if god can do one can god do two can god do three can he do four can he do five If we stay excited about one, we know he can do more. Yet maybe these disciples just didn't get there. Maybe these disciples just didn't understand. I don't know. We see, we read in Psalm 77, the psalmist is struggling here in the salt. He's crying out to God, searching for God, questioning if God is even there in his life. And then through all this processing that that takes place in his heart and his mind, the psalmist then in verse 10 says this, Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Church, if God does not choose to do anything else through us from here until the day that we die, we should still be excited tomorrow about what God has done yesterday in anticipation and hope he will do something tomorrow for us. If God comes to us and says, I'm not going to do anything else through you guys, you guys are going to say this and no more. We should still show up to church every single Sunday in hopes and anticipation, setting things up with joy and gladness in our heart because we just don't know if someone else will walk through that door. God never promises that we will see multiplication. God just asks us to use his gifts in the way that he's asked for us. He's asked for faithful servants. There's that parable that Jesus told of, of the man that gave out the talents or the money to three different servants. He gave one 10000 he gave <clears throat> another 3000 and he gave the last one 1000 The guy with the ten and the guy with the three went out and multiplied that money. The guy with the 1000 got scared because he knew that, <coughs> excuse me, he knew the master was a ruthless individual, that he would expect a return on his investment. But he got scared. And so what did he do with his talents? He hid him. He buried him. At least I'm not going to lose the money. So when the master showed back up, the guy with 10,000 said, hey, look, I've, I've multiplied it. Greater than what you gave me. Master said, great job. And then the guy with 3,000 said, hey, I did the same thing. Not as much as the guy with 10, because he had a lot more. But hey, I, I, I did what I did. Good job. The guy with the 1000 said, you know, I was scared of you. I'm still scared of you. So I made sure I didn't lose your money. I hid it. So here's your money back. What did the master do? He got upset because the guy didn't even at least do some kind of investment. Put it in the safe investment to get at least a little bit of return. See, God, Jesus is asking us, it doesn't matter if we have the skills of the guy with 10000 or the skills of the guy with 1,000. It doesn't matter what skills you and I all have. What matters is that what skill God has given me, I am faithful to use and to put it out there. Now, not all of us are going to want to grab a microphone and stand up in the front. But some of us are going to be the people that faithfully, every single day, do the small things. The interest you may receive may not be what the guy of 10,000 got, but you are faithful in what you've done. There are stories of missionaries that have gone places and shared the word of God and saw no return at all. Zero. And they died struggling and trying to produce and give the word of God. But after their death, that's when the harvest was happened. That's when the multitudes came to know Jesus. We might be living those lives where where God just asks us to be faithful, and we need to celebrate every single day what God is doing in our hearts, even if we don't see the miraculous return. So now let's let's skip ahead. I've kind of just kind of gone all over the place, so forgive me. But these disciples, so they 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 had this. They witnessed this miracle, right? Five thousand. That's crazy. Five thousand men, twelve basketfuls. Two chapters later, in Mark chapter eight, they have the same kind of situation again. Except this time, there's four thousand men, so it's a little bit smaller. So the disciples came to Jesus. And he said to them in in Mark 6, he told the crowd to sit down on the ground when he had taken the seven loaves. So this time they went out, they found they had seven loaves. Jesus gave thanks, broke them and gave them to disciples to distribute and they did so. They had a few small fish as well and he gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of pieces left over. About 4,000 were present after he had sent them away. The disciples were in the exact same scenario, and they came to Jesus and said, Jesus, we got to get rid of these people. We got to get rid of them because we're not going to feed them all hello, guys, you just experienced this, whether it was a few months or a year earlier, whatever it was, it should still be fresh in your mind that, that God, Jesus, your, fo- your rabbi is a rabbi of miracles. So you should be, okay, there's, there's people. Jesus, we, don't, we can't send them away, but look, Jesus, this is what we have. We have seven loaves. But no, they, they didn't do that at all. These guys just came to Jesus. Jesus was the one that had, in this moment, had to recognize. If you jump up a few verses, in verse 2 it says, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way. Then his disciples said in verse 4, But where in this remote place can anyone get enough food to eat? These disciples were so focused in and on them themselves that they didn't have any compassion, any heart's desire to serve these people. They'd already been with them for three days. They were probably tired of them, tired of these individuals. But as, a, as, I, as, I, as I was studying all this, it, I, I heard a preacher say, you know, there's a, there's a vast difference between these two stories. In the first story, the disciples came and said, Hey, Jesus, we got to send them away so they can get food. In this one, Jesus is the one that recognized and had compassion. These people are hungry. And the disciples said, but we, we're, we're not, we can't get anything anywhere. It's because in the first feeding of the 5,000, Jesus was still in Jewish territory. So these people that they were around were, were brothers and sisters of the, of the disciples. They were the Jewish brothers and sisters. So they were their people. It was their village, in a sense. But in, in this instance, in this miracle, they were outside of Jewish territory. They were with the Gentiles, the people, the unclean, the dirty, the we don't associate with those individuals. So after being with them for three days with the people that they just don't really like, they, they, Jesus is like, dude, guys, I'm the one that has the compassion. And they're like, okay, so? But where, where, can, where can anyone get food? We don't care about them. See, Jesus in this instance wanted the disciples to realize he doesn't just provide bread for the Jews. He doesn't sustain just the Jews. He is here to also sustain the Gentiles. So in and for us, we should not just celebrate what God is doing inside of us in our church ourselves. But we should also be celebrating what God is doing outside of our church the organizations that we are supporting, are other brothers and sisters, the other churches, maybe we're like, man, but we want to grow. We're the English-speaking church that's here in Stockholm. There shouldn't be another English-speaking church growing faster than us, but we should be celebrating what God is doing there. We should be excited and thrilled because why the kingdom of God is growing. But this also helps us to understand and realize Because maybe the disciples forgot this because they just saw the people that they didn't like. But as I alluded to earlier, if God can do something miraculous once, He has the power to do it again. If God did something miraculous once in your life, can He do it again? Yes, He can. He can heal you again. If God delivered you from something one time before, can He do it again? Yes, He can. If God provided for you when you had nothing left, can God provide for you again? Yes, He can. Come on, church. We should be a little bit excited. There should be some smiles on our face. Because if God did something miraculous once, He can do it again. If God can part the Red Sea, can He part the sea again for us? Yes, if God can provide manna for His children wandering through the desert because they were stupid... Can God provide for us when we're stupid? Yes. Because I know I'm, I'm the first of those stupid people. I'm the first of those people that are immature at sometimes. I'm the first of those people that forget about things that are in my calendar and, oh yeah, I got this. I'm the first. But if God can love me and provide for me even before, can God love me and provide for me tomorrow? Yes. We should be excited about what God has done yesterday because what God has done yesterday should give us hope for what God is going to do tomorrow. Jesus told his disciples, guys, I'm going to give you something, a great gift. And that gift is going to help you do things that even greater than what I've done. If Jesus broke loaves and had 12 basketfuls left over from five and seven baskets left over from seven, how many of us are walking into work going, boom, breaking some bread? Let's see how much bread I can pass out. Let's see what I have left. If Jesus could raise a girl from the dead, how many of us are walking into some hospitals or to our dying aunt's room and saying, Jesus, I pray for a resurrection today. How many of us, when we see that Jesus has healed people from their diseases and from their sicknesses, are walking around going, man, I just pray healing over you. You're a stranger, I don't even know you, but today I want you to just claim Jesus is healing over you right now. And see broken foots restored. It can happen. It can take place. Because if God did it then, he can do it now. It's not that he doesn't want to. He's just waiting for some folks and individuals that long and are waiting in anticipation of what he's going to do in their hearts and minds. Again, Jesus asked these disciples in Mark 8, verse 5, how many loaves do you have? Jesus is coming to you today and saying, what do you have, my child? What do you have, my son, my daughter? What do you have that you can give to me today? celebrate what God has given you. Celebrate the gifts that God has given. Say, thank you, Jesus, for these gifts and talents that you've given to me. Because God, as I give them back to you, I just anticipate and wait and see what are you going to do through me. It should be exciting. It's scary. It's scary giving ourselves to Jesus because there's that brokenness that comes with it. when they talk about separating the wheat to get the seeds, there has to be a broken process. In order to to get the wine, the grapes have to be crushed. There's a process to everything. For the new season and the new life to come, there has to be a death to the old season, to the old life. In the disciples' hands, these loaves were, were were just bread. In our hands, our life are just can feel like eh, just a plain ordinary everyday kind of a life. We can all struggle with the feelings of not being enough. But when we get ourselves out of our hands and put our lives into the hands of Jesus, he will bless it. And then the miracles will happen through the interaction See, these disciples had to interact with Jesus. They had to bring what they, their loaves, to Jesus. That's when the miracle started taking place because Jesus blessed it and broke it, gave it back, and then as they started giving out what Jesus had given back to them, the miracle began through the interaction took place. Church, I don't want us here at Stockholm Community Church to look back and go. Oh, because next week we're, we're, we're celebrating. We're having a party because next week is our fourth birthday. We're going to have some fun. We're going to enjoy ourselves. We're going to eat some cake. We're going to have some gluten-free cake too. Woo! We're going to have some fun. We're going we're gonna to throw confetti in the air. We're going to enjoy ourselves. But I don't want to look back next Sunday and go, oh, God. God got us through the pandemic. All right. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We can now shut the doors because we've been through the pandemic. We survived that sucker. We came out and we're done. Yeah. Hallelujah. We're done. Let's all go somewhere to eat and and say our goodbyes. No, because what God did for us yesterday should be the catalyst and the gunpowder to sling us forward to think and dream. What does God want us to do tomorrow? Stockholm Community Church is not just my church. I may be the lead pastor, but I'm pastoring you all. This is your church. What are your hopes and your dreams? Where do you want Stockholm Community Church to go in this next season? What do you want Stockholm Community Church to do? Who do you want Stockholm Community Church to impact? Where do you want Stockholm Community Church to meet next? Because what if we outgrow this place? What if God provides us some kind of finances and funding to have our own facility? What kind of things could we do there? Because I don't want to just have a church that is open on a Sunday and then closed until Wednesday night when we have a little group Bible study and then maybe the the ladies meet on a Saturday and the guys meet on a Friday and, you know, we just have here and there. I want the doors to be open Monday through Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 24-7 hours a day if we have the people to do it. Maybe we have a a training program for people to cut hair because people just don't have job skills. I dream of a a place that has its own little garage so when grandma and grandpa don't have any money can come and get their oil changed because we have the ability to teach people some skills and provide some free resources for our community. I pray we have a state-of-the-art kitchen that we can have people come through that have no food and can receive a warm meal not just once a year on a thanksgiving. I pray that we have a counseling center where people can come and receive godly wisdom and advice on how to deal with the problems that they're facing because we all got some problems. Church, these miracles happened because there was a problem. The people were hungry. I have a problem. I have many a problems so I need a miracle from Jesus for some of my problems and some of my problems need to be talked through with someone that has godly wisdom and godly advice because we need that in this country don't we church do you realize that less than two percent of people in this entire country of 10 million say they love Jesus Do you realize that it's less than half a percent even say that in Stockholm itself? And in the entire region of Stockholm, there are two million people. 250,000 of those are just like you and me, internationals. There's a vast community of people that do not know and understand who God is. What can we as a church do to provide to our community that opens up the door for them to come in and realize, oh, God really is serious. He is not just something that I learned about in fourth and fifth grade, these little pictures I put up on the wall. He is somebody that wants to be a part of my life. He is an actual individual that wants a relationship with me, not just me to sit back and give and give and give to him, but he longs to give back to me because he is a good father that wants to give good gifts to his children. Come on, church, we got to celebrate what God wants to do in our hearts and lives. we got to celebrate what God wants to do tomorrow because we're celebrating what God did yesterday. That's why we have to celebrate. Because celebrating gets us excited, doesn't it? It brings up some joy and some emotions of, of gladness and anticipation. When, you, when I meet with Chad, it's like, okay, I I saw him two summers ago when we drove out there and and hung out with them. I have this building anticipation, what are we going to do next when I see him? Just like some of you can't wait to see your friends that you have so much fun with, or enjoy, or those inside jokes, man, I can't wait to see them again, because oh man, there, this thing happened and I got to say it because it's going to build on this joke and it's going to build on that and, and there's going to be so much fun and my kid did this and I can't wait to tell them what they're doing or you're sharing that crazy little meme and then you got to talk about it and you call them up on the phone. There's that excited, excitement and anticipation, isn't there? I want coming to church to be some excitement and anticipation as well. Man, what's God going to do? God healed somebody a few weeks ago from their kidney stones. What's God going to do this week? Maybe, maybe, maybe this is my week to receive the healing because I'm battling some issues. I know my wife's been battling stomach stuff for years. And I have prayed for years. I've fasted multiple meals saying, God, heal my wife. What are you doing? This is hampering our life. What are you doing? But if God's not healing my wife, should I lose my joy and anticipation of God healing someone else? No, I don't understand why God doesn't heal. You don't understand why God doesn't heal, but we shouldn't allow that to be a deterrent from expecting God to still heal. I feel like I've kind of gone all over the place today. But, but, church, I'm excited. I'm excited for where God wants to take this church. I'm excited for where God wants to take you because you are the church. I am the church. I'm excited for you to grab some of those Easter cards and hand them out to, to your coworkers or to your, your hairstylist or to your man stylist. You know, if guys, you have that. You know, I don't. So. But if you do, that's okay. More prerogative to you. But just take a card. It just says, hey, come to my church on Easter. That's it. You don't have to give anything else. No long speech, no long convincing monologue, none of that. Say, hey, I would just like to invite you to my church on Easter. Would love to see you there if you're able to come. Be done. Because there's the non-threatening ways to invite people that just allows them to have the opportunity and the choice. It's their choice, not your choice. You know, I mean, if if we all had a choice to make someone else's choice, we'd probably be all doing different things right now. Because someone else would have made the choice for us to do something else. But that's the amazing thing about God. God loves us and gives us the free will and the chance to choose Him. So just take five cards. Guess what? Because there's three Sundays left before Easter. Next Sunday, we're going to celebrate four years. woo Then it's Palm Sunday. Maybe I'll bring in a bunch of branches. because I got a lot of branches in my yard from those storms a few weeks ago. But it's not really palm trees. It's evergreen, so, you know, it doesn't really work. And then the Sunday after that is Easter. It's three Sundays. We got a lot going on here at Stockholm Community Church. We got a lot going on, but it's gonna be some good times because God is king. He's a good God. God's been doing some great stuff. We're gonna celebrate next week what God has been doing and look ahead in anticipation of what God's gonna do for us in the future. So can we celebrate on Sundays? Can we bring some joy with us? Because God's gonna do something in my heart and my mind. It may be a conviction, and I may feel, oh, may feel really bad walking out, but God loves me still. Even though I feel bad about myself, I got I to break through and say, God, you love me. Even though you've called out some garbage in my life, you love me. And I can walk out with my head held a little bit high. Or maybe, and it's just, God, what are you going to do? Are you going to heal somebody today? Is, it, is, it, is the worship team just going to go so crazy in the presence of God that Pastor Brandon's not even going to preach because we've just been hanging out with you the entire time? Man, I, I, I grew up with those services as a kid. I anticipated going to church. Man, Jesus, come on, tonight, Sunday night, I want you to just do that. I don't want, I love my pastor, but I don't want to hear him speak. I want to just sing some songs and spend some time with you, Jesus. That's, that, was an, that was my anticipation on a Sunday night showing up to church just waiting to see what Jesus is going to do man I, I want us to have some expectation that when we walk into our, our propel group for you ladies man that Jesus is going to rock your world that this Saturday the guys are meeting at four o'clock at the church office for the men's group if you're not a part of the men's chat see David he, he, he's putting his glasses on right right now he's in the back row he's wearing the white shirt if you can't see him he's going to wave his hand If you're not in the chat, be a part of the chat. See, David, it's WhatsApp. We're meeting this Saturday, 4 p.m. And I I anticipate and wait for the day when God's going to show up in that men's group and just just do something wild and do something crazy. I hope you are too. I hope you are too. You're building some anticipation to celebrate what God is doing. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, God, we, we just come to you today. God... I thank you for who you are. God, I know you can do some great things. I know you want to do some great things. God, help me with my unbelief because there's some days where I just, I struggle. God, are you really going to do something great today? God, help me in my unbelief to have a sense of anticipation and excitement for, God, maybe today's the day that you're just, that the dam's going to break open on us. Or maybe today's the day that, that we're all going to feel like you've just wrapped your arms around us, that like we get to crawl up in your lap. Maybe today's the day we just all feel like we're being squeezed with this giant hug by you. Or maybe today's the day that, that healings begin to take place. Or maybe today's the day that, that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is, is going to take place. Maybe today's the day where where the multitudes come to hear about who you are. But maybe today's the day where just one person comes to hear who you are and says, Jesus, I want to know you as my friend. God, I pray for those days. I pray that my excitement for one person is the the same as it is for 12. Because God, we want one at a time. We just, just one more, God, give us one more to add to your kingdom, to add to your family. Jesus, thank you that that you are not just some Savior that is just melancholy and nonchalant, but you are an exciting God. You are a God full of joy and inspiration and wisdom and excitement. That loving you is an adventure. Sometimes it feels like it's a roller coaster, but you're always sitting next to us in that seat. You're always with us. No matter what adventure we're on, no matter what mountaintop we are on or valley low we are in, you are always with us. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your excitement and your joy. God, we just, I just pray that this week is a great week for those here in Stockholm Community Church. Lord, I pray that, that this week, every single day, that s- by your spirit, everyone wakes up with a sense of anticipation. What is God going to do through me today? Because God, you will do something through us all. We may not see what you're doing, but you will do something through us. So we, we have an anticipation and an expectation that you are doing something in us. We love you, Jesus. We ask these things in your name and for your glory. Amen.